Welcome to the Keep Building Podcast. I'm Todd Lebo, CEO of Majestic Steel. We're here to keep you informed in terms of what we're seeing going on in our industry, the market, and relevant topics. So let's keep building. Welcome back to the Keep Building Podcast. It's a few weeks into 2022. I'm here with Chris and Scott. Hey, Chris, did your mom ever get that washer she ordered back in 21? Yeah, it was a dishwasher. It came in just in time for uh, Christmas. Thanks for asking. Oh, that's, that's nice. At least you got it for the holidays. You guys, uh, you guys up for a joke today? Yeah, fire away. Steel joke or dad joke or what kind of joke? You'll find out shortly. You ready? What happens if you eat metal? No clue. You sheet steel. Oh, geez. <laughs> All right. Oh, dad jokes, steel jokes. So 2022, back to the steel market. It, it feels like the theme is still volatility. Market-based pricing has started to ease. Chris, can you at least provide us some context on what's going on with the steel market? Hopefully it's better than your, your, your steel joke and why the steel market-based prices are easing. Yeah, I started off with the joke. So there's only one way to go and that was up. Kind of like we saw in steel pricing last year. What happened with supply-demand imbalance, supply shrank drastically at the start of the, the pandemic where demand kind of had a short drop-off and a quick rebound and continued to climb, which ultimately pushed domestic lead times to levels we haven't seen in decades at 12, 14 weeks for some coded product, depending on where you were sourcing from, and ultimately led to domestic flat rolled base pricing climbing anywhere from 250, 300% from the bottom that we saw in March of 2020. As we move through 2020 into 2021, we started to see domestic supply remain tight and ultimately the need for material grew. So what people did was they went out and sourced material both domestically and offshore in the hopes that they would be able to fill their fill the orders as, as demand remained strong. So we saw this recent surge in import activity during the back half of 2021 that we haven't seen since pre-Section 232. And that kind of helped backfill some of the supply chain, helped increase inventories and why we've seen them grow a little bit still remain below I'd say 2018, 2019 levels. And we're kind of seeing the settling of pricing after the recent spike we saw in 2021. Do you think it's settling or do you think it's actually easing or, you know, is it a sharp decline right now? I mean, hot roll prices have dropped significantly, coded not as much and, and cold rolled even less, but it seems like the spreads are starting to, to shrink. What are your thoughts and why? Is it a lead time inventory import situation? Buyer strike? What's, what's going on? Yeah, ultimately, I think it, we definitely saw an easing, as you mentioned, base pricing is down anywhere 15, 20% from the peak, but it's kind of settling as, as that domestic price grew sharply and the need for just material anywhere buyers could get it from led to the increase in import activity. And when you think about when you buy imports, the lead times, three to four months. So if you know that material is coming in, you're kind of on the sidelines, not buying domestically. And what that led to is the mill's ability to catch up on some orders, um, lead times shrinking. We're back to six, seven, eight weeks for coded product, which is down almost half from where we were in the summer of last year, but still at or even above historically strong levels. So ultimately the buyer strike due to increased supply twofold from their orders domestically and on the offshore side allowed them to stay out of the market. But as I mentioned, the strong demand has kept inventories from replenishing too much. So it's only 
perpetuating the time to when people are going to need to come back into the market domestically, as I think that that spread from domestic and offshore has shrunk enough that it's not really worth the risk nor time for import material. So it's going to lead to a potential boot bump here we see uh, domestically pricing. Interesting. So basically in 2021, domestic lead times were long. People were concerned about getting material. They bought offshore as well as domestic. Late in 21, they received that material. And now inventories are up going into 2022 while they're still working through supply chain issues. However, now lead times are short. The imports have arrived, causing then both the import and domestic pricing to slide. And now decreasing those spreads between domestic and import, which will have an impact on imports coming in later in 2022. Yeah, but even with that, like we said, the inventory levels while up aren't enough for people to sit out too long. We're kind of at that inflection point in the market as we move through January and into February. Yeah, I have a thought on that, which I'll get to later. But before we jump into that, you know, Scott, other costs are still rising. You know, we watch the news and hear about inflation. Can you talk about other costs that are impacting the market, like zinc, freight, labor? A lot of people talk about, you know, steel-based prices, and, and that is what the headline is in the market. But there's other things that are impacting costs as well. Yeah, exactly. As Chris mentioned, prices are plateauing a bit here. However, one of the main things to remember is that input costs still remain elevated historically to where they they have been. So zinc is up 16% in the last month. And this is mainly due to rising energy costs in Europe, which has impacted a lot of these zinc smelters there. Uh, So zinc's now nearing a 14-year high. We have coking coal at an all-time high, and iron ore also remains elevated. And then on the prime strap side, we saw a significant drop this month. It was down $60 a ton. However, one thing to, to remember It still remains historically elevated. It came in at $520 a ton. This is well above, however, the five-year average of $390 a ton. So still elevated inputs on the mill side. And then in the supply chain and freight side, we still have tightening throughout the supply chain, which is driving costs up as well. There's been a driver shortage, which really started pre-pandemic, and the pandemic really kind of pushed that ahead of schedule. But wage, wages are up anywhere from 25 to 30% since the pandemic. We also have limited new vehicle uh, demand and also limited supply of trucks, which is having a significant impact there. And then shortages and delays in the supply chain have further aggravated rising prices. As you mentioned, inflation is up. We just got the Department of Labor report on the consumer price index, which was up 7% in December. So inflation is at a 40-year high now. Just to put that uh, in a perspective, steel inflation alone is up 150% since before COVID. Lumber was up a whopping 377% at its peak, uh, and it's still sitting up about 70% compared to pre-pandemic levels. So on the construction side, we're seeing inflation there. We're seeing inflation on pretty much every end consumer product, whether it be food, gas, washer and dryer pretty much everything. So it'll be interesting to see how the economy and how the supply chain reacts going throughout this year. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is if you take a step back, steel prices were up between 250 and 300%. Base prices are down 15 to 20% from peak levels and, and still falling. We haven't seen that bottom yet. However, there's other costs that are offsetting that, like you said, Scott, in terms of extra such as zinc, freight costs, 
and freight availability, labor cost and labor availability. We're still working through labor shortages and, and staffing issues due to many factors. What's interesting also is when you think about the entire supply chain, steel's at the beginning of the supply chain. And so we're starting to see at least the carbon flat rolled steel supply chain ease with availability. However, it has to work its way through the entire market. And so when you think about manufacturers and you think about construction, right, it's not easing all the way through and there's a domino effect. And how much of an impact is that bottleneck having on buyers ability to consume more inventory because auto production is potentially stifling the ability to consume more, but the consumer is, is, is still very strong. Or, you know, these housing starts are highs relative to previous levels. I mean, we haven't seen levels like this in, since 2006, but how much is not getting built because of the supply chain issue? What are your guys' thoughts in terms of the domino effect of the supply chain and just generally speaking, consumer demand? Yeah, it seems to be overall consumer demand is strong and continues to be strong. Recent domestic flat rolled and coated steel consumption numbers were at their highest level on a monthly basis since 2014-13 timeframe. We talked about strong residential construction, housing starts being at their highest level in 2021 since 2006. That was up 16% from over 2020. So it seems to be strong both on the res and non-res side. We saw just this past week, Mark Millett, the CEO over at SDI, mentioned that their backlog for non-residential construction orders would take them through 2022. So that market remains strong. And then on the auto side, it seems to be more of a supply issue. It's still the chip and semiconductor issues. We've seen glimmers of light where there's not as many week-long outages throughout the country. They're more sporadic than continuous week-after-week issue. And with all that being said, domestic light vehicle production was up almost 3% compared to 2020 and 2021. So I think that pressure on domestic production is only going to continue. I was reading a story the other day where they were interviewing a dealership outside the Atlanta region. And the dealer mentioned that on historically, they have anywhere between 150, 200 vehicles on their lot at any given moment. They currently have 13 or 14. And those vehicles pretty much go at or above asking price the day they, they enter the lot. So consumer demand remains strong. Scott talked about inflation being at 740-year highs, up 7% from December of 2020. With all that being said, the consumer you can rely on it currently, and they are continuing to buy both steel, intensive goods, and everything up and down on the supply chain. Yeah, and then Goldman Sachs just released a survey this month, or this week, I'm sorry, and they said about 69% of small business owners have been negatively impacted by the supply chain problems that we're seeing both up and downstream. And this has obviously hurt their bottom lines. It's delayed production. And this is something that I think the industry kind of needs to move move towards rethinking their supply chain. We've, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but trying to reinvest and bring more production or more manufacturing here into the U.S. Yeah, great points there. You know, it's interesting. There's so many factors that are impacting the market today, and there's so much information available today. You can't necessarily decipher between what's news and what's noise. It almost feels like the steel market is the stock market. And there's a mentality of a short-term day trader versus a, an investor or in the steel market, an operator, right? And so when you think about the short-term day trader, they're looking at short-term price, what's happening in the moment versus 
investors and operators are thinking about the long haul. So when you think about mills investing in production or service centers that are investing in their business on the supply side or manufacturers that are investing in, you know, reshoring and, and more efficient production here in America, it's a different mentality. And so there's a cost in terms of day trading. There's a risk in terms of day trading. There's a risk in terms of the short-term mindset. Obviously, you have to manage your business in the present. At the same time, though, building for the future. And, and what I'm hearing is demand is still strong. It's just bottlenecked in the middle in terms of supply chain issues, inventory imports arriving, and that has to get absorbed into the market. And in the meantime, we're investing in additional supply for future demand that might not be there today. So, you know, that's why the, the steel market cycles and that's why you have to manage through it. But a short term mindset can, can be costly relative to long-term stability and reliability of, of supply because the supply chain, even though the carbon sheet market is eased, hasn't really eased it across the board and, and costs are still up and the consumer's feeling that. However, the consumer's still buying and tough to get a car, tough to get a house built on time and, and, and on budget. So, you know, it's a real challenge in terms of managing investments for the long haul while managing through the short-term environment. There's a lot of talk about additional domestic production coming online or that's already come online. What's your guys' take in terms of positive, negative, overcapacity, or supporting future infrastructure and future reshoring of manufacturing? Just what's your take on the additional production that's already come online and that we have coming online in the, in the coming years? Yeah, I don't know about you, but I definitely see it as a major positive, kind of a recommitment to the domestic market, the domestic steel industry, confidence in the growth of the steel industry domestically. I mean, if I was looking to add supply to a market and I didn't think that market was growing, it wouldn't be a very good idea. So obviously the domestic production that is slated to come online this year, next year, those producers believe that there's demand out there to fill that supply, kind of alleviate some of the reliance on offshore material, kind of get us out of the short-term volatility that we have seen due to supply demand imbalance and the added domestic production will help fill some of that supply squeeze that we had seen during certain black swan events over the last couple of years. Like you mentioned, the short-term managing of the business is important, but having the view long-term of building sustainable partnerships and uh, long-term supply solutions up and down the supply chain not just at the mill level, the service center level, or the end use level. It's finding that balance in the right partners and added production domestically, I think is a positive. We, while we're still probably in an oversupply situation globally, the domestic producers are taking, uh, did you see the windfall of cash record profits mm -hmm. we've seen? Uh, all time highs. Yeah, in 2021. And one of the, some of the first things they're doing is reinvesting something we probably haven't seen in the last 10, 10, 15 years here domestically. So definitely a positive on my view. Yeah, the domestic mills are back to the strategy that they had before the pandemic hit, which was obviously to boost the domestic production, limit the amount of imports coming in. Uh, obviously, the pandemic had a major impact on that situation with you know a flood of imports coming in afterwards, which we, we really needed to kind of keep the market going. But yeah, they're back to that old strategy of reshoring bringing production back here. And also downstream, companies have begun moving operations here to North America to kind of help out with the supply chain issues. So Intel recently announced that they are building two semiconductor facilities, over $20 billion investment in Columbus, Ohio. So 
again, this will boost production here. It makes it easier to rely on the supply chain being he obviously here domestically versus relying on foreign countries like Japan or Taiwan to produce valuable semiconductors or microchips for, for downstream activities. I agree with both of you guys. I mean, the additional production is a positive. We're building for the future, right? That's why we call this podcast, Keep Building. It's not Steelmageddon. It's not cheat storm. You know, yes, maybe there is some global overcapacity or short-term um, too much supply in the domestic market, but we work through those cycles. Investment in the steel industry and, and continuing to, to reshore manufacturing is huge for our future. It's huge for jobs. It's huge for manufacturing. It's huge for America. It's huge for our economy. You know, you think about what Carnegie said is when the steel industry is booming, the economy is booming because we're making things. And so we want a booming steel industry. And so that's the way that we think about it. And that's what it's about. Thank you all for joining the Keep Building podcast and stay tuned.